out of Proverbs. I was just thinking about this particular verse, and um, there's a, a good translation about it, too. This is in Proverbs ch- uh, chapter 12. And, of course, Proverbs, Proverbs is just a wonderful book. I, I know when I first got saved, uh, Proverbs just, I read Proverbs like, wow, this is, you know, this is the person I want to be, you know, this person that talks about, you know, that lives like the, the book of Proverbs. I know some of it is Old Covenant, and, and we have to uh, up, update a few things, but not too many things. Uh, like this verse right here, this is a perfectly good uh, verse for us, even in the New Covenant. This is in Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. It says, uh, there is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. Uh, and, um, of course, we could uh, meddle on that first half of that verse there. There is that speaketh like the piercing of a sword. You ever had, had somebody s- say something to you, stab you in the heart while they're saying it? Uh, well, that's what it's talking about, right? Sometimes people use their words as a weapon, and they'll say things with the intent of harming you. But, you know, once you decide, because we live in the New Testament, you know, we can decide to never be offended. You know, I've made a, long, a choice a long time. I will, I will not be offended. You want to say the worst things to me? I will not be offended. You want to say things about my mama? I will not be offended. Uh, you want to say things about this church? You know, I will not be offended. You know, I, I choose not to be offended. That doesn't mean that you don't bring the offense, right? Because remember Jesus said whoever offends a little one. So people bring the offense. Woe to those who bring the offense, he said. So a lot of people will bring an offense, but, you know, you have to receive it. Amen. And so if you choose not to receive it, then, then there is nobody that can speak like the piercing of a sword into your life. Amen. But sometimes people do, and, and, and uh, sometimes people have uh, ill will towards other folks, and they will say things with the intention of harming you, right? Uh, and and um, I know one time uh, uh, Chris had, uh, I was traveling somewhere, and Chris uh, filled in for me on, on a Wednesday night, and, uh, so she taught on spirit, soul, and body, which is a, just a wonderful uh, message, right? Uh, and uh, someone came up to her, uh, and, and uh, now see, this was not with the intention of piercing the sword, but she, she could have taken offense at it, but he came up and said, he said, that was a wonderful message. He said, he said, I didn't understand anything you said, but it was a wonderful message, you know. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that's really encouraging or not encouraging, right? And so, uh, but, uh, but it was funny because the person who did had no intention to to either he was just being honest right uh and so but if you've never heard spirits on body being taught that would probably sound kind of foreign to you right uh the second part though is the part i wanted to, to uh focus on today is but the tongue of the wise is health and, and uh, moffat's translation moffat's translation says uh but there's healing power in thoughtful words you know you have the capacity as a as a human being to speak into somebody else else's life and bring healing into their life. Uh, and it doesn't limit it to what kind of healing, uh, but it could be healing in the physical healing, right? Uh, sometimes we need, uh, I don't like to use the word healing in our minds because it's not really a, a, a good New Testament way of saying it, but you need, you need help in your mental area, uh, and kind words can help in that area, amen? And so you, have the, you, have, you are a carrier of health by your words. You can speak health into other people's life, uh, and also in your own life, amen, as well. But... Uh, uh, you know, in this in this scenario, there, it's good that uh, that you can. Uh, you, now, you should not be a carrier of the piercing of a sword with your words, but you should be a carrier of health with your words, uh, and to encourage folks. And and I know people that uh, they're just really good at that. They're really good at uh, ex- exhorting people, encouraging people, uh, and and they just have that gift. And in fact, the first or Romans chapter twelve talks about there is a ministry of an exhorter who's who's really good at that. Whose words. Uh, uh, the tongues of the wise are health to those around them. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, and so, but we can all be this person, right? We can all be the person that, uh, the tongue of the, of course, uh, the, the limitation there is, is the tongue of the wise is health, right? Uh, and so it, well, I don't ever speak anything, any health. Well, that's, that tells me everything I need to know about you, right? Uh, that there needs, a, uh, it's not necessarily a lack of good words. It's a lack of wisdom. Amen. So we can increase the nice thing is, can you change that? Change it anytime you want to. Amen. Become a, a wise person, and your words become words of health. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. Amen. Don't you want to be that person? See, when I read these things, uh, uh, even when I was reading this as a teenager, I would think, I want to be this person. I want to, I'm not this person, but I see that I could be this person. And so, Lord, I want to find out how do I get to be this person. <clears throat> and then, uh, then if you, of course, if you say that to the Lord, he'll start giving you lists of things to change in your life, right? 
uh, and there's always a list with the Lord, you know, the, me and the Lord, there's always a list, you know. And it doesn't matter if you get through uh, the end of the list, uh, you know, uh, he starts back over beginning of another list, right? So it's kind of like all the honeydews at home. Uh, honey, I'm done. Great. I've got three more things for you to do. Uh, and so it, it's just it's never ending, right? So that's the deal. But uh, praise God. Can we have, uh, uh, can we have tongues uh, that bring health into people's life? Words that can bring health into people's life? We can. Amen. And so that's a good thing. And so I just want to encourage you to, you know, if you're not that way, uh, seek to be that way, right? Seek to, uh, uh, seek to arrive that uh, you, your tongue uh, is bringing health into people's life. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, uh, we thank God that we have the ability to do that. Amen. Well, let's stand and greet each other for just a minute. We'll get into praise and worship. Father, you're always the giving God. Father, if you're always the giving God, then, then we as your people are the receiving people. So, Father, we receive of your love. We receive of your goodness, of your kindness, Father. Father, we choose to receive. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. You're good and kind. Faithful, Father. We can always depend on you, Father, that you'll do exactly what you said in your word, Father. So, Father, we thank you. so good to us, your people, so kind to us, your people. Father, we just want to honor you, give you thanksgiving, Father, and rejoice in our hearts, Father, that your word is always so. So, Father, we thank you for that. Father, we give you all praise and honor for these things, and thanksgiving for them, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. The Lord is good. Amen. You know, if the Lord is a, is a giving God, and He is, then what is our responsibility? Then we've got to be receiving people, right? And, um, uh, but you know, uh, people, well, I, I can receive from the Lord, but what does He say in Luke 6, 38? He said, he said Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall what? Men give into your bosom. So primarily the Lord will utilize people on the earth to give you the blessings that he has ordained for you. Uh, and, and some people, that it's the hardest thing in the world for them to receive. You know what that means? It means you, you're the lowest person of faith you can possibly be. Amen? Because everything you're going to obtain from the Lord, you're going to receive. Amen? Uh, and you receive it by faith. And so it's to your advantage to learn how to be good receivers, amen? If someone wants to help you, someone wants to be good to you or bless you, uh, I'm not talking about manipulating people, right, and getting things out of their pocket, you know, and, and just feigning like, oh, I sure would like to have that thing there. You know, I'm not, I'm just, if someone was to come up and bless you, you know, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with, are you sure, you know, nothing wrong with confirming that they're not being uh, coerced into doing that, giving you something, feeling obligated, you know, uh, you know, you don't need to feel obligated to give. You give as the Lord instructs you to give. Amen. And I'm not just about finances, but just give your time and give your, of your life to people. Uh, your life is valuable. Amen. Amen. Uh, and when you sow into other people's life, you're sowing a great value into their life. Even if they don't recognize it, it's still your life is of great value. You know, the Lord con considered a, a great enough value that he exchanged the life of his own son for your life. Amen. That's how valuable he thinks your life is. That must be pretty valuable, amen? Uh, and, uh, you know, I've had people try to convince me that my life is of no value. And I'm sure you've had the same thing where people try to convince you that your life is no value. And when they say things like that, it just rises up my heart. Well, that can't possibly be so because a king died for me. That must mean I'm somebody special, uh, amen? You know, you are somebody special. Uh, and so don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise, amen? You know, a lot of uh, psychological warfare goes on when people try to convince you that you're of no value, you're no count, nobody could love somebody like you, uh, all those uh, dumb things like that. Uh, women seem to suffer under that uh, attack more than men do. Uh, it, well, the Lord loves me. Yes. I mean, I must be somebody special. 
you know, if you just meditate on that, you know, for a while, you will never think that you're of no value. I'm, a, I'm you know, you know, the old Charlie Brown, you know, everybody hates me, nobody loves me, you know, I'm going to go eat worms. Uh, was that a Charlie Brown song? I don't know. I'm not really up on my Charlie Brown songs, but people sing that song, don't they, right? Nobody loves me, everybody hates me. Well, that's not true. The Lord loves you, and if he loves you, What's it matter if anybody else doesn't love you? Because you know, to me, it's like, okay, you know, you want, the, you want the most important person to love you? Well, Jesus loves you, right? And of course, it'll be, all oh, he has to, you know, it's, he doesn't have to do anything, right? He chooses to do that. Uh, and so, you are somebody special. The Lord made you special. He made you unique in this earth. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. Amen. Uh, I never let somebody tell me, you know, in, in, in my line of work as a, as a minister even, you know, there, there is on a regular basis a, a rejection of people who, who are, are educated or do things, you know, in, in a, in from a technical standpoint. Of course, I was trained as an engineer, but, it, you know, it's not because I was trained as, I came out of the woman as an engineer, right? I came out of the woman and go, hey, you know, that, that machine over there, doc, you need to adjust it. It was making a little bit of noise. I mean, you just, that's who the Lord made me, amen? And it's perfectly fine, but I have found a lot of resistance to just me as an individual uh, in, the, in the ministry. Well, I, I'm sorry, you know. Uh, uh, it, I am who I am. Amen. And if I'm in sin, I can change, but there's nothing sinful about just being you. Amen. If you're, if you're lined up with what the Lord created you to be, if it lines up with the word of God, then be who you are. Amen. Uh, now, if, if you get out of lack and a lot of people get out of alignment from what the word of God says, and they allow their flesh to twist who they become, well, they need to make some adjustments. Amen. Uh, but, but God has created everybody uh, from the beginning, from before the foundation world, to be unique. Amen? <clears throat> and, and we should be okay with that. We shouldn't try to make everybody clones. Amen? We talked a little bit about that on Wednesday nights about ha- having uh, unity of doctrine, uh, which, is, which we should have, but not have uni- uh, unity of personalities. It'd be really boring if, if everybody in the world was just like me. Amen? The advantage of that, of course, everybody would get my humor, then, then at least that was fine, right? A lot of, a lot of people just don't get my humor, and, and it's not that it's not that hard to understand, but, you know, sometimes it's subtle, right? And, and so, uh, you know, Chris was like, they didn't get that. <laughs> so, well, that's not my fault, that's their fault, you know, they need to have a sense of humor, amen? And so, uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew chapter 6, we'll continue there today. Uh, so, he changed, uh, Jesus is changing gears a little bit here, uh, and starts talking about um, uh, really worry from verse 25 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, and he repeats the phrase, take no thought. How many times did he repeat that in those section of verses? Uh, it was five, right? <laughs> we, had a lot, we had a wide range of answers, right? Four, five, six, eight and a half. Uh, it's, uh, it's five. Uh, and so, at least in the King James, now you may have like a heathen translation, right? If the, if, uh, if the King James translation was good enough for Paul, it should be good enough for us, right? Uh, you know, that's a joke, right? You have to think about that one for a while. Uh, it's, it's humor right there, right? Uh, and so, anyway, so uh, we'll get back to the word. Uh, but, he, but Jesus said, take no thought. So uh, uh, the, thing that, the thing I love about the word of God, see, uh, when, you, when you read that phrase, take no thought, there's a lot in that because... If that's true, if Jesus said, take no thought, what, does that, what, the, what is he implying there? He's implying that you have a choice. That means you can take it or you cannot take it, right? And, and how many times people say, I can't help what I think. Is that true? If, if that's true, then Jesus is not telling the truth here. If Jesus said, take no thought, well, unless you just can't help it, well, then it's not my fault, you know, it's okay. Is that true? No, if Jesus said, take no thought, then you have the capacity to decide what you think about and what you don't think about. Now, so to me, that's good news. Is that good news? Right. Uh, somebody's like, I don't know if it's good news or not, because then that, that removes all the excuses out of my life. Right. Amen? Uh, you know, years ago, the Lord told me that uh, he said an excuse is just a lie wrapped up in a pretty bow. Yeah. Well, I can't do that because, you know, I wasn't raised that way. Yeah. Well, that's really not true. That's a lie, right? I mean, it's not true. If it's not true, then it's a lie, right? If it's, it's not true because if that's true, then Jesus is not correct here. Then Jesus is putting something upon us that we are unable to perform. If he said, take no thought, but you can't not take a thought, there's no way you can do what he said to do, then, then what you're saying is then I have an excuse not to do the word of God. And when I stand before the Lord, you know, someday he's going to judge us over everything we've ever done, good and bad, he said. You know, all the deeds on the body, good and bad. 
And so if you took a thought and got into worry, uh, you, well, Lord, I couldn't help it. Uh, and he's going to say, well, what did Matthew 6.25 say? Uh, Lord, do you have a Bible I can borrow? Uh, he, he's, I'll, I'll tell you what I said. It said, take no thought. Well, Lord, there's no way I could do that. Oh, well, I'm wrong. Then, then, then I, I'm sorry. I, I put that on you. I didn't mean it. Is he going to do that? He's going to yield your, to your statement saying that you couldn't help it? No, he's never going to do that. Amen. But we shouldn't see it as, as a negative. We shouldn't see it as him putting things on us. That, well, that's just too hard to do, Lord. That's the, wrong, that's the wrong response. My response when I read this is, you mean I have the right to do that? I have a right to not take a thought? I have the privilege to live this way? See, that's the way I see it. Even if I'm not living this way, I see it as, well, then I can live this way. If, even if I'm just full of th- thoughts that I've taken that I shouldn't have taken, when I see this verse, I think, I can, I can change who I am. I can change to be the person that I want to be. So Jesus said, if he said something five times, take no thought. That's got to be an important thing, amen? Take no thought. And, and of course, you know, we, we know a little bit about the medical world has, has told us that stress and worry is one of the biggest killers uh, especially in, in uh, uh, Western civilizations like in America, uh, oftentimes more than, than disease because it causes those things, right? Uh, the reason why people have ulcers is because uh, they're worrying about things. <clears throat> the reason why people have high blood pressure is because they're worrying about things. Why? Because they're taking thought. What's going to happen? What could have, should have, would have happened? Uh, when I was in the corporate world, one of the things they would say is uh, they would want to find out um, uh, well, let's focus on the important things. What keeps you up at night? You know, and I remember being in some of those meetings. What keeps you up at night? And I'm thinking, nothing. I sleep good every night. I don't need nothing. Nothing keeps me up at night. Well, what about that? No. I mean, first of all, I'm making a filter, right? Nobody dies from a filter. Not working, so it's not like you're concerned about somebody dying from a filter, right? It's, it's uh, you know, maybe the gas mileage suffers. Like, oh, I can't handle that. Uh, and so... Uh, but they, would, they, they still do that, right? And they say, what keeps you up at night? Well, that's, the, that's the thing we need to focus on. Well, then that's great, because there's nothing that keeps me up at night. Amen? And we'll talk about how, how do we get there if you're not there. So he said, take no thought. And we talked about how uh, in, from the parable of the sower in uh, Matthew 13 about the cares of the world uh, and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. See, that taking thought is, is there to replace the word of God. See, the Word of God tells you here's how to get out of it. But if you take a thought, see, that thought will override the Word of God, and you will not think about, well, here's my way out. You're just going to think about, here's, here's my way. Here's the things I'm dealing with. Uh, and that, that will be all-consuming. Uh, and you ever been there where you, one thought, one event, one situation is all-consuming in your life? You think about it when you go to bed. You think about it when you wake up. In the middle of the night, you, you roll over and you think about it. Well, that's taking a thought. You've taken that thought. Uh, now, you know, and I don't know, maybe if it's just this generation comes up, of course, we, you know, as uh, every generation has a right and a privilege to complain about the next generation, right? Uh, but, you know, there seems to be even a, a big aspect of the generation come up is they don't take a thought about anything. Uh, well, you know, they, you can get out of balance in both ways, right, where, where you don't care, right? You have a non-caring attitude in a sense of, you know, it doesn't matter the quality of work I do, it doesn't matter if I'm on time, it doesn't matter if I keep my word, you know, there's that, there's that attitude there that's dealing with. That's not really what Jesus is dealing with here. That's another situation that, that we could uh, discuss at some other time. Uh, but uh, the, that should be good news to us, amen, that we have the ability to take no thought. So there shouldn't be any thoughts, regardless of the situation, that controls your life. Uh, and, you know, you think, well, I've got a whole list of things. Well, then you can start one at a time, Amen. If you thoughts about your job or thoughts about um, thoughts about you know your employment or, or um, uh, in fact what do you say there in, in back to verse 25 take no thought for your life what you shall eat what you shall drink or yet for your body what you shall put on is not life more than meat and the body than raiment and so Jesus is specifically talking about natural things here and, and there seems to such to be a push in the church that Jesus only wants to bless us in spiritual things you know, uh, but natural things, you know, he's not really concerned about. And yet, what do you take, say right here? What's he focused on? Only natural things. Amen. A- anybody worrying about their treasures in heaven? No. Oh, you know, what's the price of gold in heaven going to be when we get there? Is it going to go up or down? 
you know, is somebody going to take, I mean, he's, he, said he, he said he's laying up for himself treasure in heaven. Is somebody taking it? Somebody messing with my stuff in heaven? Anybody worrying about their treasures in heaven? Nobody's worried. Have you ever met anybody like that? If you did, you need to let me know because, like, that's a one in a million right there, right? Uh, nobody's worrying about it. Nobody's worrying about spiritual things, right? Nobody's worrying about their spiritual destiny in heaven as far as their treasures in heaven. Uh, but the worries of this life, this natural life, of, and Jesus said these things, simple things, right? Uh, eating and drinking, you know, a lot of people are, uh, even today, are concerned about what are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? Uh, even some people, what are they going to cook? Now, is he limited to that? He's not just limited to that, right? It's just anything in the natural realm. And he comes on down uh, to verse 26. Uh, and, and he starts at 26 to try to help us, right? Because sometimes he'll go through and say, look, here's why you don't need to do this because of this over here. And so he's trying to help us by, you know, think about this situation over here, and then that will help you understand my desire to help you. Uh, and so that's what he does in verse 26. He said, Behold uh, the, fowl, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they? Luke's version of this says, How much more are you better than the fowls? So Jesus said, uh, the, the birds of the air. Well, why did he use birds as an example? You know what the only uh, living type of animal is found on every continent of the earth? It's birds, right? Uh, I guess people are there now, but, uh, but as far as just in the animal kingdom, birds are the only animal that's on every continent of, of the earth. So uh, every continent on the earth has birds that the Lord takes care of. So no matter where you are, he's saying the Lord will take care of you. Well, is that true? Well, he says it's true. Uh, he said uh, the, uh, they, don't, um, they don't sow, they don't reap, but they still, uh, they still are fed everywhere on every continent of the earth. Uh, and of course, then, then he really puts a monkey wrench to all of the animal lovers who say that, you know, we're, we're the same as dogs and cats. Uh, he said, uh, no, he didn't say that we're better than them. He said we're much better than them. Amen. I love my dog. That's great. You know, I love my dog. He's, he's you know, above average dog. I think he is, you know. Uh, and um, he can't jump very high, so, you know, uh, otherwise he'd be way above average. But, you know, uh, he's only got about six inch, you know, air, air and he can jump there. But, um, but he said, we're much better than them. So the Lord is, is telling us how he, he, who created everything. Well, the Lord created everything. So did he create humanity be, to be above animals? He did. And why that's even controversial in the church is beyond me, right? Because uh, we're the only ones made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, and so, you know, some people will say, well, you know, you all preaching American gospel. You know, this won't work everywhere. You know, what did Jesus say? Behold the fowls of the air, which are found where? Everywhere. So if they're found everywhere, well, then will the gospel work everywhere? I know when Dr. Dufresne was on the earth, he, he, would, he would preach some things about prosperity and people come in, well, that won't work, you know, specifically the person said, that won't work in Mexico. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Luke 6.38 is, is, is not applicable only in Mexico. Is that true? Well, that's what that person said, right? I mean, I don't know that everybody in Mexico thinks that, but that one person thought that, right? That doesn't work in Mexico. Well, that's funny because Jesus said this will work everywhere. Amen. Uh, and so that's why he used uh, the example uh, of the birds, right? Now, uh, let's turn back to, uh, real quick to Proverbs chapter 6. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, just observing how people believe God and how they uh, work with the Lord, um, I'm going to get to Proverbs chapter 6 here, uh, is that their mentality is that uh, we <clears throat> as Christians should be very passive. And uh, whatever the Lord wants to do for us, he'll do for us. And if he doesn't want to do for us, then he won't do for us. And so there's really nothing for us to do, right? We're not supposed to do anything. Uh, God is sovereign. If he wants to bless us, he'll bless us. Uh, and, and it's really a terrible uh, mentality, amen? Uh, uh, and really in our society, they're always wanting, especially the church, to be passive, to not pray, to not, not speak faith. Uh, to, to not tell the truth, to be very passive, because the church, you know, the church uh, of the Lord is where the grace of God is found. And, you know, at the end of time, when, when people have made the final decision to not pursue God, uh, 
the wrath of God will come out and judge all the sin on the earth. In order for him to do that, he has to remove the church, right? That's why, the, that's why there's, there's going to be a, a catching away, right? Uh, when, when the church, the church is, is uh, uh, removed from the earth, right, at some point in time, and uh, then the wrath of God will fall. Because while we're here on this earth, we are a stay of the wrath of God. The wrath of God will not be poured out until the church is removed. Uh, and you know, some people don't, you know, they think the church will go through tribulation. Well, that's not possible because we, we are the carriers of the grace and mercy of God. And, and we, uh, he can't judge the earth uh, entirely until we are removed because we're the, we're the representatives of the mercy of God. Uh, and so, uh, but the, the, a lot of the people want to tell the church to be passive. Uh, and you remember back before, uh, you know, back before, you remember 9-11 occurred, right? All the hijacking. Uh, back before that, when, hijacker, when hijacks would occur in airplanes, they would tell all the passengers, be passive. Don't attack the, the, the hijackers. Just take a free trip to Cuba and, and then, you know, enjoy the sunshine for a while and come back to America. And, you know, that was, that was fine, except, you know, I can't, it's like, no, I got somewhere to go. I ain't got, you know, I ain't got time to go to Cuba. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, I mean, if I wanted to go, it'd be fine, but, I, you know, I, I, I'm not, I don't want to go there. And so, uh, but then after 9-11 happened, then uh, after that happened, then uh, if anything happens on an airplane, every bubba in, uh, on the airplane with a roll of duct tape is going to take out the guy, right? Uh, so there's no more passive people on airplanes anymore because uh, they found out that if you're passive, people take airplanes and crash them into buildings. So, so people are trained. Well, I'm not going to be passive. Uh, and, and the church is, is all the time, be passive, you know, uh, and, and, you know, turn the other cheek in that sense. Uh, well, you know, there is a sense of that, but that's only when it's dealing with you specifically. We don't have time to go into all that. Uh, we are not supposed to be passive as a church uh, in a sense of believing God. We are supposed to actively believe God and confess the things that we desire. Uh, and he said, ask. Remember, Jesus many times said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. We are not required, in fact, we are encouraged not to be passive. We are, if we want something, we ask for it. Amen? Uh, and that's the way we should uh, train ourselves. That's the way we should, we should train our children. You know, when our kids were growing up, they, they would come in and just, you know, start begging for something. You know, they saw some toy somebody had, they start begging for it or whatever. Uh, and, I, and I'd say, no, I said, hang on. That's number one, we don't beg. If you want something, you ask for it. Uh, and, and I would train them, you know, when we'd go to the store. A lot of parents would say, you make sure you, uh, when, whenever I take my kids to the store, first thing I tell them, don't be asking for everything. Which is dumb, because then they become adults. And what do they, what, what do they think? Well, I can't ask the Lord. Because, you know, I mean, he might get mad if I ask for something. No, I would train the kids, you ask correctly. Uh, instead of just wanting every single thing in the world, that's being selfish, and you're not going to use it anyway, you're going to be wasteful. Uh, you know, they would ask, hey, can I have that book? You know, because when you go to like Lowe's, they put all the kid books like uh, two feet above the ground. I, you know, you see them as an adult, right? But the kids all see them and they all want them. You know, that's, uh, that's marketing genius, right? And so, because we put them up where I, where I see them, it's like, I don't want that book. It's like for four years old. And so, uh, so they put it down where the four-year-olds can see it. And then they ask for it. And I say, well, will you read it? Yes, I'll read it. Okay, well, then you can have the book. And really, the Lord, the Lord instructed me, that uh, it should be a rarity that you tell your kids no. That's what he told me, that he taught me, because is it, is, does he, actually, does he ever tell us no? He actually never tells us no, because if we don't ask according to the will of God, he never hears the request to begin with, amen? So we have to make a little bit of adjustments in the earth, because we do hear the invalid requests sometimes of our children. Uh, but they learned. They learned they could just ask for anything. Uh, and you could ask all my kids, all three of them, uh, how many times did I ever tell them no? almost anything. Well, you spoiled them. They're not spoiled. They're all very well-adjusted adults. Amen? And so, because we trained them correctly. So, the point of that is, uh, even though the birds are being well taken care of the Lord, are they still doing something? Are they just sitting in a nest, waiting for the bird DoorDash to drop off a, uh, you know, a, a worm pizza? They're sitting around going, well, if the Lord wants to feed me, you know, he'll, it'll show up, you know. And I'm tracking it. There's no bird DoorDash right now. And so, you know, it's not. Uh, no, what are they doing? They're out doing stuff, right? They're out, they're out moving. And that's the, the, see, that's the, the passivity of the church all the time. We're just sitting around waiting for the Lord. If he wants to do it, he'll, you know, he'll do it. And, and then, of course, uh, that's why he gave us Proverbs chapter 6. He said, go to the ant, thou what? Thou 
sluggard. That's why I love Proverbs, right? You're a big slug. You're just a, you're a sluggard. That, that, that word carries all the connotations we need to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Go to the ant, thou sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. Uh, and, and, of course, he goes on, uh, how long without sleep, O sluggard? Again, there's that word, right? When will thou arise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveled in thy want as an armed man. So the whole point of this, uh, uh, these verses in the book of Proverbs is we are not to be passive. If we know the Lord is wanting us to do something, right? If, if uh, the Lord's wanting us to get a new car, for example, what should we be doing? Go look for cars. Yeah. Is he going to show up in the mailbox? No, you've got to go look for cars. And then the Lord say, that's the one for you. Or maybe that's not the one for you. Uh, so you've got to be about doing things, amen? Uh, and, uh, you know, people all the time are, are not doing things. What are you doing about that? You know, well, I, I'm praying for the Lord to, to get me a new job. Well, what are you doing about it? Are you interviewing? Well, no. Are you calling anybody? No. Well, what are you doing about it? Nothing. I just figured he wants me to, wants me to have it. He'll just give it to me. Well, the birds aren't doing that. The ants aren't doing that. And he said, aren't you much better than they? So uh, oftentimes the Lord needs us to move. Now, now, you know, there's a balance. The balance is you move, but you move by the direction of the Spirit of God. Yeah, you know, uh, there's a, a piece of wisdom that Willie George uh, said to us years ago, and this has helped me and Chris so much. Uh, he said, he said, it never hurts, because he was talking about like buying houses or something. He said, it never hurts to go look. He said, just make sure it's the will of God before you sign on the dotted line. So go look at every house in the world. You know, because some sometimes you don't know until you get there. Yeah, this isn't the house for me. Uh, and then sometimes you go, yeah, that's, yeah, that's the house. Well, how would you know? Because you showed up. You did the work, right? Uh, you know, uh, I was looking for a car one time. And, and uh, of course, you can get online now and find the exact car you want. And so... I got online, found a car that was everything I was looking for. And so me and Jerry drove, what was it, six, six hours or something to go, to go look at this car. And we get there, perfect, nothing wrong with the car. We got and drove it, nothing wrong with it at all. Uh, but just down here in my heart, it's like, this is not the car. Well, why not? I don't know. But it wasn't a car. And so the, the, the salesman said, uh, well, are you going to get the car? I said, no. Uh, he said, why not? I said, it's not the car. He said, is there anything wrong with it? No. Is it the color you want? Yeah. Is it the features you want? Yeah. Why don't you get a car? It's just not the car for me. Well, why not? It's just, you know, I'm not going to say, well, the Spirit of God said it's not the car because he'd be like, well, okay, yeah. we need to call in uh, an ambulance here. We've got some crazy people. But uh, we just turned around and drove back. Now, he thought it was the craziest thing, you know, that, that we didn't want that car. Well, well why did, what was wrong with it? I have no idea. It, do, it doesn't matter, you know. And, and so, of course, after, you know, I said, well, Jerry, what do you think about the car? I said, well, whatever you think, you know. Uh, and then after I said, well, we're not going to get it, he goes, well, I knew that. Well, thanks for your help. You know, I appreciate the <laughs> assistance in that. And um, you knew it wasn't the right car for me, but you're not going to tell me and help me at all, right? Because he's not my Holy Ghost, right? That's why he told me you're not going to do that. But, uh, and so, but I was, out, I was out being like a bird and being like an I'm moving. Amen? And as I'm moving, the Lord will, pro- will provide for me. Uh, if you're just sitting at home waiting for the Lord to bless you, you're never going to get blessed. If you're, if you're not praying, you're never going to get blessed. You need to be praying and moving by the direction of the Spirit of God. If you're looking for a car, go out and look for cars. If you're looking for a job, go out and look for jobs. If you're looking for a house, go out and look for houses, right? Because <clears throat> sometimes you don't even know what you, what you want until you see it. Uh, you know, I just want something, you know, and you find out, well, I don't want that. You know, but I do kind of want that over there. Uh, and so, you know, that's perfectly fine. Amen. Uh, so, so Jesus used the birds as an example uh, and, and so we shouldn't be, uh, we should be passive in these things. Because again, the church is, is all the time trying to tell us, well, God is sovereign, just wait on Him, right? Just wait on the Lord. Uh, and of course, we know uh, the book of Isaiah says to wait on the Lord, right? Those that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. But he's not really talking about that context of things, about waiting on the Lord to give you things. Because he said, they shall renew their strength. So in the context of Isaiah 40, 31, he's talking about uh, waiting on the Lord, spending time in his presence, uh, and it's a refreshing to your spirit. He told us the same thing in, in Acts chapter 3, that, that uh, times of refreshing come from the presence of the Lord. So there is waiting on the Lord in a sense, uh, but you're doing, you're doing your part. Amen? 
Uh, and, and until he says that's the right vehicle, you don't sign on a dotted line. Until he says that's the right house, you don't sign on a dotted line, but you can still be looking for them and, and putting yourself in a position where the, Lord, uh, where the Lord will guide you into those things. Amen. So don't be passive in your, in your Christian walk with the Lord. If you need something, pray about it. If you need something, he said, ask, and it shall be given unto you. So if you're just so passive and you, don't, and you won't ask, then you're the bird in the nest and won't move. And they won't end up well for you, right? Uh, and so, so uh, we, we are much more important than, than the birds, amen? We're more important than the ants. Uh, and, and yet they're doing things. And he said, consider them. So look at how they're doing things. If they're out doing the things they do, then we should be out doing the things that we should be doing, amen? Uh, and so back to, uh, to Matthew chapter 6 there. <clears throat> and so, again, he, he continues on. Uh, in verse uh, 27, which of you by what? Taking thought. So again, are you taking thought? Are you worrying about something? We're going to talk, when we get through this, we're going to talk about how, how do you get out of worry, right? How do you stop worrying? How do you stop fretting and being anxious about things? How do you stop wringing your hands or thinking about the same thing over and over again, thinking about it when you go to bed, when you wake up and uh, during lunch and somebody's talking to you, you can't hear anything they're saying because you're thinking about this thing. How do you, how do you get out of that? Well, I'm not going to tell you yet. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out because we're going to lay the groundwork of how important Jesus is. Don't do this. Don't live this way. Uh, and once we get comfortable with how important Jesus is not to do this way, uh, not to live this way, then we'll find out how to get out of that. Uh, again, some people just, they have no problem with it. They don't worry about anything. But, you know, there is a balance of, of not worrying versus not being responsible. Uh, we should be responsible people, amen? We should be responsible for the things that the Lord has put into our hands, right? Be good stewards of the things that he's placed into our hands. Some people just don't care, right? They never clean their car, they never clean their house, they never clean their clothes, they, they're just not responsible about anything. They don't show up to work on time, they don't, you know, they don't do the things that the Lord's instructed them to do, uh, well, because they don't care. Well, that's not what he's talking about in that sense. He says, take no thought, right? Don't worry about these things. Uh, and so he said, uh, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic into his stature? Uh, and, and Luke adds in this, uh, in this verse, uh, if, if, then, uh, if you then be not able to do that which is least, why take you thought for the rest? So he's just trying to emphasize that uh, what Jesus said, uh, can you take a thought, can you add one cubic to your stature? So uh, so that, that's a little bit of play on words there because uh, that when he talks about your stature, that can either mean uh, your physical height or it could mean how long you live on this earth. Uh, and so, and it can go really both ways. And, and I think uh, Jesus intentionally said that because people think, well, you know, uh, <clears throat> I'm going to try to try to add length uh, to my days, right? Uh, and that's, when he's talking about that, he's talking about your own, by your own works, by your own good works. Uh, and so, can you make yourself taller? What if you want to make yourself taller? Well, nothing you can do about it, right? I mean, you can wear, like, shoes, you know, the little <laughs> inserts in your shoes, right? Uh, uh, and so, uh, <clears throat> now, when he's talking about that, he's talking about in, in and of yourself, right? Could you pray and ask the Lord to do these things? Could you ask the Lord to make yourself taller? Well, you know, I, I don't see why, why you couldn't do that. That's between you and the Lord. We don't have any promise for it. But, you know, uh, if that's really a concern, you know, and uh, I know we have a lot of booths in here. Maybe that's a concern for a lot of the booths, you know. And so uh, <laughs> that's okay. Amen. But, um, um, you know, uh, that's between you and the Lord. But you can't do it in and of yourself. What if you wanted to? It doesn't matter if you wanted to. You still can't do it. Amen. And, and that's the point of that. Uh, and so Luke is saying, look, if you can't do that thing, then why do you think his worrying is going to fix this thing over here, right? If you wanted this over here and you can't do anything about it, then your worry is also not going to do anything about it. Has worry ever changed anything? You know, if I, if I worry enough, it'll fix it. That, that has never happened, right? Nobody's ever uh, come to that. You know, I worried so much, it fixed everything. That's never happened, right? Uh, and so, uh, uh, so we, we have to be careful about uh, taking thought because our actions, your worry is not going to change anything. Right? And, that's, and so all of us, Jesus is trying to get us convinced. You see, you, uh, in order to receive the faith of the Word of God, you've got to be convinced that this is true. You've got to be convinced that taking no thought or taking thought is of no value to you. 
And see, if it's just one verse sometimes, but, uh, you know, I know he said that, but, you know, I, I really have a hard time doing it. So that's why he repeats himself. Because one of the ways to learn is, to, is repetition. And so Jesus is repeating us over and over again using birds, right? Using uh, your own ability to advance your, 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 uh, your physical height or your length of days. Now, you know, the Bible has a lot of promises that if you follow his will, he'll add days to your life, right? Uh, and sometimes he says, if you don't follow his will, your days will be cut short. And yet, uh, so there's a lot of promises. In fact, you know, uh, in our book back there, there's the last section of the book is uh, talking about long life and how many verses talk about it. Here's how you can have long life, right? Psalm 91, last verse of Psalm 91 says that with long life, I'll satisfy you. So can you have long life on the earth? Yeah. Can you do things spiritually that, w- that will affect how long you are on this earth? You can, right? But can you do things naturally? Now, see, uh, they, they all say, well, if you eat right, and you get plenty of exercise, plenty of rest, you'll do that. Is that really true? I mean, how many people die young? This guy was in perfect shape. He died yesterday. Uh, uh, and maybe those are outliers, you know. And Now, look, uh, can you do the other thing and eat uh, donuts for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and cut your life short? Probably can, right? But see, anything that violates the principle of moderation is going to affect your, affect your life. But within moderation, you know, if you're getting a moderate amount of sleep, moderate amount of, uh, of whatever, uh, stay in moderation of those things and don't get out of balance, then, then they're, they're kind of neutral in your life. Then really you should depend upon the Spirit of God and, and your faith to advance your life on the earth. But a lot of times we, we start uh, trusting in ourselves. Well, if I get eight hours of sleep every night, I will live long on the earth. But he never said that. He never said uh, that uh, with long life, when you sleep eight hours every night, you know, that's what I'll give you. He never said that you, you'll obtain long life by sleeping well every night. He said, if you do what I say, you'll have long life on the earth. So we need to make sure we don't get out of balance and start trusting in ourselves that if I drink eight, eight ounces of water every day, I'll live long. If I, if I get plenty of sleep, I'll live long. If I eat healthy, right, uh, healthy, uh, you know, me and Chris were on the way to, to go eat one time. I said, where do you want to go eat? She said, I want to eat something healthy. And I said, I don't. I want to eat the worst thing. I want to eat a heart attack on a bun. Uh, you know, but see, that's, I didn't say that, but that's kind of what we imply, right? You know, well, eating this over here is healthy. Eating this over here is a heart attack waiting to happen. Well, I mean, is there any book, chapter, and verse for that? Again, you know, within moderation, is there any book, chapter, and verse for that? Uh, well, I don't see any, any book, chapter, and verse for that. So uh, we remove that phrase out of our vocabulary. You know, we talk about eating something light. Cause sometimes you eat something you know, like swallowing a, you know, a buffalo and you're like a beached whale for the next day or so. Well, you know, that's, uh, you can do that with anything. I mean, you, you know, you can, even good things, if you eat too much of it, you'll still be like a beached whale, right? And so, so what we found is we just eat in moderation. You know, we, we go eat whatever we want to eat, but we eat in moderation. Uh, and so, uh, now you do, you follow your own path, I know, in that, uh, which is fine. Uh, and so, uh, so uh, Jesus is trying to use these examples to help us, amen? And we're, we're about out of time here. Uh, so, uh, can you do anything about this? Can you, can, you, can you worry yourself to be taller? Can you worry yourself to live longer on the earth? He said, which would be by taking thought? Can you worry these things into existence? No, you, the answer is no, right? And we know that to be no, but still, we, we, don't we try? Some people just, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try to worry uh, myself into success. Uh, and, of course, that, that won't work, right? And, again, he, he continues in verse 28 with the same idea of, I've told you about birds, right? I've told you about trying to make yourself taller or live longer. Uh, in, in verse 28, he says, why take you thought about raiment or clothes, about the things that you wear? Uh, he said, uh, and I really, I really like uh, this discussion here. He says, uh, consider the lily, lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Verse 29 says, yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory. So why did he use Solomon? Solomon was the greatest, uh, flashiest king of all the kings, right? He was the wealthiest king. Uh, he was also the wisest king until he was no longer the wisest king, Right. Uh, you know, some people have PhDs in stupidity. Well, Solomon was kind of that way, right? He was the wisest king, and yet he failed the Lord because he thought that in his great wisdom, he could, he could, he could handle the sin. Uh, and, of course, he was, he was woefully wrong in that. Uh, but he said, look at Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed 
like one of these, like the lilies of the field. In fact, we were, we, Chris and I were out walking yesterday, and just on the side of this ditch, there's these beautiful wildflowers just showed up. Uh, and they're just they're sitting in a ditch, right? They're not in somebody's yard making it look nice. They're just, just randomly in a ditch. Uh, and they were just beautiful, orange, uh, big blossoms on these flowers. Uh, and that's what he's talking about. Consider the, the lilies of the field, right? Uh, did, they, did they do something to make themselves? Did they manufacture themselves to be beautiful? Did they, did they build themselves up to be beautiful? Did they use some kind of genetic uh, mutation to make themselves this way? No, they're just, they're just this way. That's the way the Lord made them. Uh, and he said, even Solomon, uh, you know, if you looked at somebody in their, in their kingly outfit and you go see a beautiful field of wildflowers, which one would you be more impressed with? Well, I mean, most people would be more impressed with the, with the flowers, right? Unless you're very carnal and, and oh yeah, the, the natural thing's the most important thing. Uh, but no, Jesus is saying uh, uh, when you compare just a wild field of flowers growing and you compare how beautiful Solomon was in his, uh, in his uh, wardrobe, he said there's no comparison. God will always outdo that. And, and, and then he, uh, I really like verse 30 because it gives us some insight about who God is. He said, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field. So who made the grass of the field so pretty, so beautiful? God did, right? He said, if God did this, uh, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven. So, so how long, even if it wasn't cast in the oven, how long would, that, would, those, would those, uh, uh, those wildflowers that we saw just yesterday, how long would they last? Well, that's for a short time, right? A week or two, maybe, you know, when they're in, in bloom and then they're gone, right? Uh, and yet for that moment of time, they're, they're just, you know, can be breathtakingly beautiful. He said, if God did this, which is just for a short time. So what he's saying is there's no real value in me doing these things. There's no really value in me as a Lord spending this energy because who designed it? Who spends the energy to make these flowers the way they are? Well, the Lord did that, right? The Lord spent this energy and this effort uh, and yet, he, it's just for a fleeting moment. He said, but if I'll still do that, if I'll spend all that time and energy to make this field that's just there for a second, and then it's gone, if I, if I would do that, how much more are you important, uh, are you important than, than those? That I, I spent all that time and energy that's just, just fleeting, right? Just for a moment, and then it's gone, uh, and yet I did that. Surely you're more important than the, than the lilies of the field. Surely you are. Well, do you believe that? See, I, when I think of creation, I only see the Lord, right? I look at that as, well, it's, a, it's amazing you do all that, Lord. You spend all this time, and you go look at that, you know, there's that, that line of trees right there. How many different types of trees are there? And just that, you know, uh, quarter mile of trees right there. There's probably 50 types of trees in that little thing right there, right? Well, who would do that? Well, the Lord would do that. Well, that seems like a waste of energy. Well, it's, it's his energy, right? He can do it however he wants to. Yet he does that, and, and those trees, they probably cut down and burn somewhere. The lilies of the field are just there for a short period of time, and then gone, and yet he still chose to do that. Uh, and so, uh, see, people say, well, you shouldn't ask for big things. Either the Lord is, is obscenely wasteful, or he has infinite power and ability, and it's not a thing for him to spend that much energy on something that's just there for a fleeting moment. See, he's, he's not stingy. He's not constrained. He's not trying to hold, hold from you. Because if he'll do that for, for something that's just there for a, a moment, surely he'll take care of you. Because he said, You're, aren't you much more uh, than that? Uh, he, Shall he not much more clothe you? Again, there's that much more. How much, much more important are you than, than this beautiful uh, array of flowers? You're much more important. Uh, and of course, then uh, then he says uh, at the end of it, uh, uh, and shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith. Mm. See, people who just, who have a hard time believing that God will bless them in every endeavor of their life is a person of little faith. Uh, because they're always like, well, that's too big. It's too... The Lord is so wasteful. You know, this, this whole thing about, uh, and, and look, this is my opinion, so, you know, you, you, you can take this to the bank and spend it for it entirely for what it's worth. Uh, but people, there's always discussions of, is there, is there intelligent life anywhere in the universe? I'm not sure there's intelligent life on this planet, much less in the universe, right? Uh, and so, is there intelligent life in the universe? You know, my opinion is, you know, I, I suspect that there's not. And I'll tell you why, because 
it would just be like the Lord to, to cast a trillions of stars in the sky for us to look at something at night. That would just be like something he would do. Just, I'm going to, you think about how, how big the universe is. They don't even really know, but they talk about there's trillions and trillions of stars. They don't even know how many stars there are, because every time they get a bigger telescope, they, they, they turn it on, they go, wow, we thought there was nothing there. There's everything there, right? There's a new, there's a new uh, James uh, Webb uh, telescope that they just uh, turned on the last year or so, and they, they pointed to a black spot in the sky that before was a black spot. When they turn it on, it's like, wow, there's trillions of stars in that spot. It just seems to me, that's just the, the kind of God he is. And people say, oh, that's so wasteful or so lonely. It's, no, it's just amazing how God, now look, what if there is? I don't care, you know, nothing to me. And I'm, it, I don't have book, chapter, verse, yay or nay. But it just seems to me like, because of verses like this, that the Lord would, would fling a thousand trillion billion stars in the sky for me to go at night and go, wow, that's really cool. Uh, it just sounds like something my God would do, Amen. Now, again, you got a different opinion? Fine. I, we don't have book, chapter, verse, word either way. Amen. Uh, and so, so he says, O ye of little faith. Uh, so worry shows a lack of faith. When you're worrying about this, because you're thinking, I am not more important than that lily. I am not more important than an ant. And I am not more important than, than, than that bird. And that shows your lack of faith. You are more important than those things. And if you'll take care of all those things, he said, you are much more important, and yet he's taking care of all of us right now, right? Every bird, we've got all these crazy birds at our house, you know, these barn swallows that keep, keep invading our house, you know, uh, we're not happy with them, but the Lord takes care of them, right? And we Lord, could you not take care of these, right? Because they're really bothering me, right? And so, uh, but he takes care of them. Uh, and so, uh, oh, you of little faith. Now, that, that, that right there, uh, kind of, he, he's, he's putting a stake in the ground, is if you're here, this is, this is your, your position of faith. If you're worrying about everything, your position of faith is you are a person of little faith. Now, I didn't say it. Don't get mad at me. I don't, don't, uh, I'm, I'm not accusing anybody of anything because I'm not asking for any, any list of worries that you've got. But Jesus himself said, if you're this way, then you're a person of little faith. But the nice thing about it is, can you do something about it? Can you change today? You don't have to wait till tomorrow. You can change today. Just start, well, Lord, I'm more important than a lily. I'm more important than a bird. I'm more important than an ant. Uh, you made all this stuff for me. And you, said, and you said, I am much more important than these things. So you've got to get, and so Jesus is making a case. He's making a strong case. You are very important to him. And so if you are very important to him, there's never a, a point in your life where it, it's, it's helpful for you to worry. Because uh, worry says, Lord, you might not come through. Worry says, Lord, you, you may not answer my prayer. Lord, you may not provide this that I have need of this time. So that's what, that's what worry is. Worry is fear, right? Worry is, is, is fear that the, the, your desire that you have will not be met. Uh, and so uh, he's, that's why he said take no thought because you're taking that fear on you, right? You're taking that fear of maybe the Lord won't come through. And, and you know, look, uh, uh, are we all human beings? We all, we all are human beings. We will all go through this process at one point in time. Uh, you know, if, if there's ever anything that shows up in my body, a new ache or pain or something uh, that wasn't there yesterday, the thought for just a fleeting moment says, maybe the Lord won't heal you this time. Well, that, that's normal, right? Uh, but, uh, but one thing that I never do is I never, give, I never give voice to my fears. I never say, well, Lord, maybe you're not going to come. I would never say that. Because my heart says he will always come through. And so my words will always override my thoughts. Yes, he will come through. And in fact, I will answer my thoughts with, with the word of God, uh, that by his stripes I was healed. And instead of saying, maybe he won't come through this time. See, you're, you're vocalizing your fears, which just you're, you're strengthening your worries. Uh, and you should attack your, your thoughts with, uh, uh, with the word of God. Amen. Remember, the devil came to Jesus uh, and tried to tempt him. And Jesus every time said, it is written. It is written. And so that's one way to overcome those thoughts is, is when that thought comes, just override that thought with it is written. And we'll see, you know, he gives us some, some specific instructions how to do that. So we'll, we'll just stop there for today because he goes through uh, the rest of this chapter here. But he, he's continuing to make the same case over and over again. You are valuable to me. I desire to be a blessing to you. I want to care for you in every area of your life, spiritually and physically, uh, in every area of your life. Uh, and, and here's why, because you're more important than everything else I've created on the earth. 
Uh, well, oh, you've got to get convinced of that. So if you're convinced of that, then it's easy for you to believe God that he wants to bless you. It's easy to believe God, you know, that he wants to take care of you. you know, and you ever see any birds uh, uh, just fretting? Is it going to be in worms today? No, worms are, worms are down, you know. Uh, we, had, we had a crash in the worm, worm economy. There's no, no birds just sweating in the corner going, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. You know, uh, it's just, it is, you know uh, the, the worm inflation is crazy now, right? Uh, and so we can't afford worms. And what are we going to do now? Uh, and so there's no, there's no fretting birds anywhere, right? There might be some fretting worms. Here they come again, right? Uh, but uh, there are no fretting birds out there uh, wondering if the Lord's going to take care of them. Uh, well, you're more valuable than them, much more valuable. He's, uh, how much more valuable are you than they? Uh, so uh, the Lord is good, amen? And uh, what I would like to do as we finish this up, we're not going to finish it today, but uh, just uh, prepare your heart because when we get done with the, uh, verse uh, 34 and we get, uh, go through and, and how to get out of this, it may be a week or two, whatever, uh, but we need to pray the prayer of consecration dedication at the end of that. As, uh, just, uh, we'll do that as a church. And we'll just, Lord, uh, I refuse to worry anymore the rest of my life. Uh, and should just, just be meditating on that. That I'm going to set a stake in the ground from this point forward. I'm never going to do this again. And you can live life that way, where you never worry ever again the rest of your life. I worry about kids or grandkids or economy or cars or whatever, worms. You know, if you're worried about worms, you know, maybe you're a fisherman, right? Uh, well, I'm going to get the worms. Now, whatever it is, uh, you can live that way. And the, the, the Lord wants us to pray that prayer. Lord, we're going to do what you said in, Luke, in Matthew chapter 6 here. We're going to live this way. And we're going we're gonna to stop being people of little faith. We're going to be people of great faith. Because you can have, be a person of great faith anytime you want to. Amen? And so let's pray. And then uh, uh, we're going to receive communion here in just a second. So, Father, we thank you that it's your desire for us to live worry-free. Because you care about us, Father. You desire good things for us. You desire to take care of us in every realm of our life, naturally, spiritually, Father, mentally. Uh, and so, Father, we thank you for that. And so, Lord, we thank you that your word is so. If you told us to take no thought, then we have the ability, Father, to never take another thought of worry the rest of our lives. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We give you all the praise for it, Father, the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive communion. Uh, we were supposed to receive it last week, but I just barreled right through the service and paid no attention to Chris and Jared throwing things at me. And uh, okay, it's all right. All this, it's all good. Amen. And so, you know, communion is a good time to uh, to deal with any worries or frets because we're, we talk about uh, specifically um, the healing of our bodies. Amen. How much? How many people worry about their physical health? Uh, worry about some new thing, you know some new ache or pain, maybe it's cancer, right? I know when, when, uh, uh, when we had our first child, uh, us and a friend of ours had the same, same pediatrician, and their child was kind of acting up one time, you know, it wasn't, I don't know, like six years old or less, right? Uh, uh, yeah, maybe a couple months older. And so they went to the doctor, the pediatrician, and said, you know, hey, the child you know, seemed to be a little cranky or something like that. And, and the doctor said, this is like a baby, right? Like a, like a small baby. Doctor said, well, maybe it's got brain cancer. Like, that's your first go-to is brain cancer as a toddler? You know, that's somebody who worries a lot, right? Maybe it's brain cancer. Well, it could be just that he didn't get fed today, right? Uh, or his diaper is dirty. It could have been a lot of things, right? Your first go-to is not maybe it's brain cancer. That's, that's world-class worrying right there. So we all abandoned that doctor and found an old grizzled uh, pediatrician. Hey, it'd be fine. Throw some dirt on it. You know, they, no kids are resilient. They'll be fine. Uh, and so uh, we like that doctor way better. Uh, and, the, and, and we thought, well, this doctor's got a lot of kids. He had like four or five kids of his own. And we thought, well, you know, he's got kids of his own, so maybe he's not going to be one of these, you know, fretful people, right? No, he, maybe it's brain cancer. Uh, well, how many Christians do that? You know, first thing happens, you know, I'm probably going to get laid off. Well, is, uh, why, why you? You know, uh, why not the guy next to you? Uh, you know, a new acre pain, it's probably brain cancer. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it's brain cancer. Well, you know, it could be just, you know, Tuesday. It could be anything, right? But world-class warriors can just dream up the worst-case scenario. Uh, you know, it's like, why is that your first go-to? Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and for me, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's just, oh, well, okay, then we'll deal with it. Amen? Uh, and so, 
no big deal, amen? Uh, so uh, let, let's, uh, it's a good place to be if you can get to where you never worry again. It's really a good place to be, amen? It's really a, it's a wonderful place to be. Uh, and um, there's, no, there's no pressure on your life because worry will cause you to, to do things, right? Say things or go, go somewhere or do something that you ought not be doing or saying. It'll drive you. Worry will drive you into action that, that uh, you ought not be doing. Uh, and so Jesus said, take no thought. All right. All right, then. So we get to receive communion today, remind ourselves that um, we're going to uh, eat the bread first and, and uh, drink the juice second. And so this bread, Jesus said, take this bread. He said, this is my body broken for you. Uh, and so what, what did his body provide for us? You know, his blood took care of our sin, right? But his body took care of our sickness and disease. He said, by his stripes you were healed. So when Jesus, you know, Jesus could have done a lot of things. He could have provided redemption in a lot of ways. He could have just, you know, uh, shed some blood and, and that would have been it. And that would take care of our sin. But, you know, he, the Lord's not just, he didn't provide just a little bit of redemption for us. He provided full redemption for us in spirit, soul, and body. Uh, and so he, he intentionally allowed them to beat him, and the Bible says, beyond the recognition of a man, for the purpose of you living a life free from sickness and disease. Now, see, he didn't have to do that. Uh, he cho- when he looked at all the problems that mankind was dealing with, one of them was a major problem of sickness and disease. You know, he's like, how do we solve this problem? He said, I'll just go take the, the punishment for their sickness and disease, so no sickness and disease has a right to be on them. So, uh, you know, if, if there's any sickness and disease that's on you, you can say, well, you don't have a right to be on me because Jesus took the punishment for that sickness and disease because the devil was, well, the, you brought this on yourself. And, you know, if there's some sin involved, you can repent of that and you can say, well, then, uh, then, then there's no cause anymore for this sickness to stay because Jesus paid for this. And so that's why he did this this way. And that's why he wanted to remind us about it. Because you know, how big of a deal is sickness and disease in the earth? It's a huge deal, right? Especially in, in Western civilizations, how many billions of dollars do, do, does America spend on, on health care? I mean, it's just, it's a huge, such a, it's probably trillions of dollars, I imagine. A lot of money, right? Uh, and so Jesus said, this little bread represents what his body did for you. Have faith in what he did for you, which is why we do this this way. Remind yourself that this represents what he did for you and increase your faith with the knowledge that you have a right and a privilege to live free from sickness, disease, aches and pains, everything. Amen? Uh, you are not required to live uh, in any of that. Uh, amen? And so let's remind ourselves for that. Let's thank the Lord for this bread. So, Father, we do thank you for this bread that represents your body. And, Father, I have a right and a privilege, according to your word, to be free from sickness and disease all the days of my life. Father, you said even Moses, that when he lived to be 120 years old, that, he, that his eyes were not dim and his natural force was not abated. And so, Father, if Moses, a man who is not even born again, can live that way, we as born-again children of God who, who have the privilege of you suffering on our behalf can live free even as a man of the old covenant did. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We choose to believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, the precious blood of Jesus. Father, the cost of sin was an infinite cost. To pay the price for all the sin, the judgment for all the sin. The only substance found in all the universe that was worthy to pay for that was the blood of Jesus. And so Father, we thank you that that shed blood on the cross was sufficient to pay for every sin that had occurred up to the cross that occurred while you were on the earth uh, and has occurred since you've left the earth, Father. That sin, uh, that blood was sufficient, Father, to cover all of those sins. The amount of that, the value of that, Father, is beyond our imagination, beyond our thought life. You said, Father, that it was sufficient. So, Father, you've paid for all of my sins. I stand before you clean because you've washed me in your blood. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We receive this with joy and thanksgiving in Jesus' name. All right, praise God. Well, 
as Jared uh, comes back and, and collects all that there, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. <clears throat> and um, don't forget uh, uh, healing school today at 3 o'clock. <clears throat> and um, next Sunday, um, we'll have our church meal and um, uh, our Father's Day too, right? So, and uh, I don't guess I've ever done a special message on mothers or fathers, have I? Never had the unction to do that, you know, but uh, uh, if, the Lord, if the Lord tells us to, we will. So, um, but um, that's all right. We still remind ourselves about our fathers, amen, and um, we're thankful for the fathers and um, thankful for what they've done for us. You know, my, my dad, uh, uh, I, I don't really know if he was saved or not. I suspect that maybe he was. He didn't live a, a, um, a visible life as a Christian. Um, but he did grow up in a Catholic church, and so there's a chance. So, you know, we don't know. I'll find out when I get to heaven, you know, whether he, he was there or not. Um, but I'm still thankful for the things that he did for me, right, when he was there on the earth. And so uh, we're thankful for our fathers, and we're thankful for the Father in heaven. Amen. And so uh, let's pray and thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give today. It's an honor to give. Father, we're thankful that you provided us blessings and increase in our lives in the financial arena. Uh, and so, Lord, with uh, great uh, joy and thanksgiving, we give into your kingdom. We thank you, Father, that your kingdom will be advanced and we will be able to accomplish all that you've asked us to accomplish as a ministry because you've blessed us financially. We thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. And so, um, so Miss Evelyn has got a birthday, and Mr. Clark has got a birthday. Anybody else got a birthday in June that we don't know about? All right. Actually, my dad's birthday is in June. Um, so, um, What's that? We've got to stay out of some of that right there, right? Because... Uh, um, We'll get ourselves in trouble, right? So, all right. Well, uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful weekend, Lord, and you're dismissed.